This time on No Not the Mind Probe, episode number 57. Let's call it a night. A canite. Canite. A canite. Canite. Yeah. Canite. Canite. Welcome to No, Not the Mind Probe. That's like a, 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 a night thing. Is that how a knight would say it? Probably like Not the Mind Probe, like a, a, a pageantry. Yes, yes. <laughs> it also reminded me of like a 1940s like serial. Oh, no, not the mind yeah, probe. Not the mind probe. Dun, 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 <laughs> brought to you by Parliament Cigarettes. <laughs> <laughs> um, but this is not a 1940s radio po- no. uh, broadcast. This is a. Although 19- one could break out at any moment. Yeah, you never know. This is a 2020s. Uh, podcast uh, uh, where we watch and rank every single Doctor Who story ever. Uh, my name is John Grant. Uh, I should have been born in the 40s. Uh, it's probably, Fair. I would probably be more effective there. You would have thrived. Yeah, more effective. <laughs> Your life would have been more effective. <laughs> uh, and I am a lifelong Doctor Who fan. Uh, I've been watching him for 37 years. So just stick that in your pipe and smoke it. Yeah. Podcasters. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And my name is Porter Mason, and John's yeah. been asking yeah, me to watch yeah, Doctor Who yeah. for 25 yeah. years, right, boss? <laughs> and a year or so ago, I finally said yes. Each episode of this podcast, we look at two stories. We're going through the newish Doctor Who in order. We're at season five of that. And our Doctor Who sommelier, John, then pairs the newish story with a classic story. Uh, John, what do we have in store yeah, this Porter, episode? We're- Porter, we're going to the chapel and we're going to get married. Uh-huh. That's what's happening. This is this wedding bells are dinging. Uh, <laughs> is, yeah. is that how? Is that what yeah. we do? Wedding bells are just like ding. <laughs> just like the little They're thing you dinging, hit at the front and desk. And people are like, yeah, all right, I guess I got to get married. Um, because it's the season finale, the two part epic season finale of Matt Smith's first season. It feels like we've been we've been watching some Matt Smith for a while. Uh, but he's actually only just wrapping up his first season. We have the Pandorica Opens and the Big Bang, which uh, if you think about it, it's a really interesting title for a story about a couple people get married and their sort of wedding <laughs> night. I feel like, again, I feel like Moffat really playing on a lot of levels here. Uh, and we have paired that with, and I think a lot of people may not have been expecting this one, uh, with the um, uh, fourth Dr. Romana 1 story as part of the key to time season the androids of tara because guess what there's weddings in both people so so get out your your white dresses and your your i don't know what else is a wedding thing you're in your rice in your um in your your your, your, your prenups I'm, get out your prenup get out, everybody get out your <laughs> prenuptial agreements if you if you got a good one <laughs> all right let's recap these episodes uh we're going to start with the newish who newish. the 20 the 21st century who um this is a two episoder yeah. a two episode finale um Epic and two-parter. each episode is actually a little longer they're yeah. each 50 minutes or actually 55 was um yeah big i think you got 55. extra time for the big bang one mm. yeah, which is you know they can just do that uh, this is story number 212. It aired on the 19th and 26th of June, 2010. So we're we're creeping toward modern day. We're creeping toward 2020. <laughs> modern like, day. Like, well, when you say yeah. 2010, and then I, and now it's currently 2020, 2022, I'm like, that sounds pretty close. Like, yeah. we're, we're in the, re, the yeah. realm. I mean, back in 2010, people were driving their Model T Fords to the <laughs> office, and and not no one was diseased. It was just a, it was a simpler time, man. Yeah. 
crazy. So this is a finale. Uh, This is Matt Smith, the uh, 11th Doctor. And um, not only is it Amy, uh, not only is it Pond, not Mm -hmm. only is it uh, Rory, but we also get River. I get a lot of River. Yeah. uh, River Song. And then also Winston Churchill, Vincent Van Gogh. uh, Everybody's coming back. Um, It's like someone had a plan. It's like someone writing this is like, I got a I got a plan for this. You're like, definitely. Oh, all right, good for you. And I'm <laughs> like, all right, congratulations. <laughs> Woo, you wrote a show, buddy. <laughs> um, and I do believe this is written. Yes, this is yes, written Stephen uh, by Stephen Moffat. Yeah. So let's hear a clip from uh, from uh, this yeah. is from the Big Bang or Pandora. It's from Opens. the Big Bang. Yeah. So just buckle okay. your seatbelt, folks. It's the grand finale. And I'm playing it. Any second. Any moment. Any. It's happening. Definitely gonna happen right now. Definitely happening soon. It's gonna. It's going. Exciting. This clip here uh, from the wedding. God, shut up, Amelia. Sorry, but shut up, please. There's someone missing. Someone important. Someone so, so important. Amy, what's wrong? Sorry. <clears throat> Sorry, everyone. But when I was a kid, I had an imaginary friend. Oh no, not this again. The raggedy doctor. My raggedy doctor. He wasn't imaginary. He was real. Psychiatrists we sent her to. I remember you. I remember! I brought the others back. I can bring you home too. Raggedy man, I remember you and you are life for my wedding! I found you. I found you in words like you knew I would. That's why you told me the story. The brand new ancient blue box. Oh, clever. Very clever. What is it? Something old. Something new. Something borrowed. Something blue. All right. And there it is. Um, that and I want to know, uh, Steve Moffat, if you're listening, which you're not, and I probably will never chat with you, but if I did, I want to know, when did you come up with that when did you go <laughs> holy crap something old something new something about something blue was that like your beginning point or were you just I like mean, oh hell oh hell yeah <laughs> I feel like it's one of those amazing things that as it was happening even though she's building up to it so much it yeah. still was like oh like i still <laughs> until she finally said it it didn't jump into my head right and i literally had the thought in my head maybe because you've sort of personified stephen moffat so much and and writing this of like how does he think of these things but my first reaction was i, I almost said out loud i was like you son of a bitch like i was like <laughs> right? jesus how, that's crazy um it was so perfect yeah uh yeah it's brilliant it's absolutely brilliant <clears throat> no yeah it's 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 pretty great throughout so i'm gonna try to run through the the plot with leaving out tons of detail and you can fill in but um as we said this brings together a lot of stuff from the season so uh they go to uh britain in uh, early um early uh 100 ad yeah and uh river is there with them and we see a vincent van gogh painting that he gave as a warning it's called the Pandorica Opens, which shows the TARDIS exploding. We get so, this great pre-credit sequence that is all of the pa- you got Churchill, Van Gogh, yeah, the Queen from in the credits, uh, right? In yeah, the pre-credits. So like all the people are just like, oh yeah, we just we just did a couple thirty seconds of filming on each episode, and they all come together in this brilliant way. Yeah. So we're there. He wants to open the Pandorica. Um, we 
He's helped by some Ro- Roman legionnaires, and one of them is Rory. Rory, which, not, which is it's sort of a rare thing. I mean, th- th- actually, this happens sometimes, and the doctor always plays it off in this way, where it's like R- the doctor's like, "I have no idea why you're here. That doesn't make any sense to me." That, but that you I'm going to roll here. with it. Yeah. Um, we find out that because as we remember from last time, he was consumed by one of the cracks of the universe. Right. Yes, yes. So we bring the TARDIS to Stonehenge and then uh, we find out that the other Legionnaires are actually Autons and this is yep. one of many we'll start to see throughout this episode and we hear a hint at a Dalek earlier on yep. in this episode find that the, there are Autons here I thought we also, even before we find their Autons we see a hint at the Cybermen too, yep, right? Cybermen is a little cyber head in the thing, yep. So we're already starting to see this confluence and what as I was watching it I was like are these a bunch of head fakes? Like, right? Oh, that's an Auton, but it's. I was still waiting for it to be like, well, it's still actually just the Daleks. It's because once Daleks are mentioned, I just feel like, okay, well, that's gonna be it. But yeah, that's kind of your trump card, yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, Turns out, so no. right, and so at the end of the episode, no, what we find out, the Daleks are there, but we find out it's like, no, they've all come together to basically say, we all know about these cracks in the universe too. And we're banding together. And the doctor's like, oh, and you, you're all going to help me solve this. He's like, no, you're the problem. Yeah, you're you're going to destroy the universe. And we're all here to stop you. Yeah. Um. So they seal the doctor inside the Pandorica. Which is and a big box. As he'd sealed every star supernovas. Um, right. The universe sort of blows up. But, okay. <laughs> so then going forward to the next episode, and then we start, we see from Amy's eyes, um, like she, she's growing up, that there are no, there are actually no stars in the sky. Young Amy, the Amy from from the very first right. episode, Amelia. Right? They, the young, they yeah, refer Amelia, to her as Amelia. Amelia. Yep. So yep. what I don't get is if I guess not the sun, like the sun is still there because Earth, like, is it the only one that stays? Because like, I mean, literally, it's there like be no the, Earth. Like, yeah, it's like the universe you know? is shrinking slowly to the point on where moment, it happened, and that's right. Earth. So yeah. yeah, so yeah. Um. Also, we should say at the end of that one, uh, Auton Rory yeah. um, kills Amy. Kills Amy. Um, doesn't want to. Doesn't want to. <laughs> but doesn't. So the doctor appears, and then we get into which uh, the, the beginning of this episode, I'd say, gets into what they don't do a lot, weirdly, in Doctor Who, is this is a true time travel episode. Yeah. And Stephen Moffat is clearly like messing around with this. And I would say he te- treats time travel at the level of sort of like back to the future or like gr- even right. though Groundhog Day isn't time travel. But like it's sort of a light play with the fun things of it. Don't get too caught up in the, you know, right. Particulars. Because I've now seen this episode many times and I still don't understand how at the end of one, the doctor's being sealed in the box. Then at the end of the at the beginning of the next, Amy's in it, and there is sort of a like, no, he went <laughs> back in time and did this. It's like, but but how he was because they just do this thing, which is like again in these lighter time travel things, which is fine, none of it's real, but you just decide where they say, well, if we're in the future right now, yeah. I'm just going to decide that I'll I'll just say now I told you that, and then now we know it because yeah, I told you going into yeah. Um. Well, anyway, so and and you could talk more about River Rivers around a bunch. Um, but they end up deciding that Amy's now in the Pandorica. I think they do that almost as a means of saving her somehow. Yeah. And they say that like, look, she needs to stay there for, they're still in a hundred. So they're like, we need to wait 1900 years. Yeah. And 
you know, Rory's back. We should mention more like Rory's back. Yeah. And um, and Rory says, I'm going to stay here and guard her. Yeah. And he said, like, oh, and like, you know, you don't have to. It won't be safe. You'll, you'll literally have to be here for 2000 years. And like he, he is a, essentially a machine. Yeah. So he's not on. Yeah, that can work. Um, But and so he does. He stays there and guards her for 2000 years. And I would I just have to say throughout this whole episode, they just cemented for me that it's like Amy and not just Amy, Amy and Rory. It's like they're my favorite companions. Yeah. And not not just because of them. Like I love Catherine Tate, but the writing for them, it's so good. Their yeah. whole plot is so great, and um, there's more to go with it. But I'm just saying, with this season, I'm like, wow, they just told a great story with a companion, which is rare because Catherine Tate was a great companion. Her story was fine, but like there wasn't this big long through line of it. Like this is a book, like this book of Amy Pond from girl to this moment. Like this is a great book. Like this could be the Doctor Who movie or, or a series of movies. Like yeah, if you want to, this is her season. developing story in Rory. And um, <clears throat> I will say, and you know, again, we've talked about them many times, but Big Finish has uh, done a spinoff now of Rory the Lone Centurion and the stories uh, of his life while he was waiting. With the actor? Yeah, with, oh, with Arthur Darbo uh, guarding uh, the Pandorica and all the things that happened. So, yes, it's quite... So anyway, the rest of the episode, we're bouncing around in time a lot. The doctor meets Amelia, young Amelia Pond. And I, I would have to like, one thing I will definitely say about this episode, like I'm going to need to watch it again because I, there, they say a bunch of stuff that was really wonderful and sounded beautiful, but I didn't quite understand everything that we're saying. But basically one thing the doctor started talking to young Amelia about was like that she couldn't place her mother and father, which to be honest, never occurred to me until he started talking about it. It was right. like, oh yeah, we've never actually seen her parents. And and they talk about in, in the 11th hour of the premiere episode, they allude to where he sort of, because remember he visits her young Amelia and he's in the house and he's having breakfast and he's like, wait, where are your parents? And why have we not woken them up and they've come down? And she's like, oh yeah, they're off. And yeah, it's just kind of hand yeah. wavy, and then yeah, and then that comes back. And actually, if you go um to um, so you that were saying episode, when we were watching the season, you were like, "This hangs together better than I thought." Like yes, they, they, yeah. And if you watch like um, uh, I mentioned it when we watched uh, the Angels one in the uh, uh and I I think I I flagged it for you, but you of course ignored it, foolish though you were. Uh, <laughs> that um, uh, he. When he leaves her, she can't. She has her eyes closed or something. She can't see. She's in the forest. He leaves her. Then he comes. Then suddenly, like two seconds later, he's there. And and I flagged that like people at the time said, "Oh, he wasn't wearing his jacket. He was wearing his jacket when he left her. Then he wasn't wearing it when he came back, or vice versa, or whatever." And people noticed that. But they were actually this was him when he comes. Uh, when he goes back through the time wow, stream. yeah, and even in the very first um eleventh uh, hour episode, there's a couple scenes when he when he goes off, he runs down and he leaves in the TARDIS, and that's when he heads off. And then the very sad scene of her packing her suitcase and then coming down and sitting, uh, waiting for him to come back, and he doesn't. There's like a a moment where like something flashes in front of the camera, uh, and it's actually him. It's Matt Smith. Uh, because it is like they actually did it all hangs together of like oh yeah all these little moments is actually him going back through the time stream in this ending thing where he's in it, it it clearly very well thought out uh and and all of it uh, uh pieces together it's it's quite good uh, i have to say yeah so so right and like there's a lot of it this episode too where he's saying rory go here and after you're done put the sonic screwdriver in her pocket so that we yep. you know can have it later and this that and the other thing but anyway, what what they're saying is that 
I still don't totally understand but why the cracks in the universe are there, but the cracks in the universe are there in Amy's house and they basically started sucking away her life. Right. So like her her parents weren't there because they were just sort of taken away, like, but they yeah. couldn't take Amy. So I didn't totally get why. And then um they I don't know. Again, you're really going to have to help me through the end. But like, basically, they decide to the the in true Doctor Who fashion. I will say like the the ultimate like solution to everything is sort of a Deus Ex Doctor thing where right. it's like, why don't we just throw the TARDIS into the Big Bang and then that'll do it. So, um, so it was. Um, so, uh, it is hard. I, I I think watching it, I was like, I, I was really focused on trying to understand it. So, um, the idea is it's like, um, every atom or particle of the universe or whatever kind of has the blueprint for the whole universe right right and um so it's like okay the the universe is destroyed uh or it's being destroyed but actually the pandorica has atoms from the original universe so you could reboot the universe and then you've got the the blueprint for it on these atoms you could like blow these atoms out and so that's what the pandorica flying into the sky is in the big bang or whatever and reboots it uh, and then I guess because the doctor was at the center of it, you couldn't bring him back. But Amy, because of her something about Amy and how she was important for this, uh, could uh, bring back people she remembered. And then that's him going back through the timeline and sort of planting the the idea. And that was what I noticed this time around. Just like, all right, there's the something old, something new, something borrowed, something blue. I was like, okay, that's very really cool. What I notice is in this one, he is going back in as he's talking to her when she's like asleep and other parts of this go flash backward. He's planting that idea. It's like, oh, let me tell you a story. I borrowed this police box, uh, you know, and I was always going to return it. And like he's setting it up um, more explicitly than even uh, you realize. And he, he sort of uh, was like, oh, yeah, he's doing that. Um, so yeah there is, um... but what i right now i got that part what i actually didn't get was sort of why are the crack why was the universe exploding anyway and then also you kind of like mentioned this but i think maybe you don't have the full detail and that was like why was amy special like what is special about her that she was able to say but why was the universe cracking up let's that is not that. explained so that is yeah and I, I remember watching the first time and sort of being like wait a second why was it because you've got at the be end of the pandorica opens you've got river trapped in the tardis and the tardis is it's it's the he's pulled the exploding police box and so yeah i kept waiting for like wait why did the tardis explode and they don't explain it and i even think they acknowledge at the end of this they're like wait why did and he's like oh i don't know we'll figure it out uh, do they get to like, it later yeah and so it just does um oh this is a multi-season arc um, right because river there's a big scene at the end where they're talking with river and she's like because she he still doesn't know her right? right like that's the deal she's like you'll find out soon enough and i'm sorry and blah 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 and i was like oh wow i'm sorry he's got he's got a multi things going on here which is it does tell you why um this idea of a showrunner is really like okay yeah this person has a story in mind and yeah. he's like yeah i've actually got this going over several seasons uh of ideas and and yeah these the um this without giving any spoilers this why the tardis explodes is not explained for like two more seasons uh. and it does come back and you do get this explanation where the cracks in the universe come from but it takes a while and again you're sort of like did he this is uh, i just one of the most interesting things about Stephen moffat is you're kind of like wait did he know this all along or did he just get to when he was writing it and just get to his point and be like Oh yeah, the wedding thing. <laughs> it's perfect, or, may, or maybe a bit of both, right? Yeah. I mean, 
because sometimes the way I'd heard it described um, in a different like a uh, cartoonist I um, listened to their podcast about, they talk about sometimes what you know is in the story. Well, I know I'm going to get from New York to L.A., but mm-hmm. I don't know if I'm going to stop at Chicago in between, and I don't know how long I'm going to stay there, and I don't like. But you just know the certain points along the way. But then other things you leave open because as you're doing it, you let it surprise you. And then a lot of times those connections that come along that could be surprising things, or or they could you know this particular thing could have been planned out. I don't know, but yeah. Um, but we should also say she does finally get to meet her parents. They do have the wedding, yeah. um, and there's just such great like this plus eleventh hour. It's like the character building of Rory and Amy. Yeah. So great. The relationship is so clear. Who they are is so awesome. At the end, I love the moment where um, he greets when the doctor comes out of the TARDIS at the wedding and greets Rory and says, oh, now you're Mr. Pond. And and Rory's like, no, no, that's not the way it works. And he's like, yeah, but that is what it's going to be. Right. And he's like, yeah, you're right. That is, I am Mr. Pond. And it's just great. Like, I love that. I'm really excited for the next season because now it won't be this like unsureness of oh is amy gonna blow up her life or whatever it's like no they're a happily married couple yes and they're you know really strong in their relationship they have each other they're very different complementary personalities and great now they're the companion like together and i'm just like really excited about that and the thing it made me think a lot about was the thing that they tried to do so much in the first several seasons setting up rose is like rose is the key to everything um i didn't buy like they just didn't sell me on the like why is why is rose basically right. they never sold me on that whereas like on amy pond like they've really sold me on like yes this companion is important we know a lot about her we know how she fits into this and it's just so much more textured like uh love i mean really like the character from before but like he's managed to build this like world around like amy and rory and it's yeah. like it's really great um so i just i it's just cemented for me it's like how much i really liked them whereas you know similarly like i liked rose and i liked um uh, mickey and her mom like i liked the little the characters themselves but in terms of the world within them it was like they they tried to them extend them into a whole universe right. saving thing and it felt very like okay because she's it's like plot armor thing of like well because she is the companion now she is inserted into this thing right whereas this they like set up from the moment we saw her there were cracks and also sorry i'm going on but one last thing i wanted to say about um stephen moffat's writing is it's not just the cleverness of the something barred something blue he's really great at writing in wonderful visual things um because the fact Remember, the, the the way we found out that she's going to get married the next day is just you pan over and you see the wedding dress on the door. Right. And they return to that later. And there's no words to it. It's just there. And then the imagery of this little girl sleeping outside on her suitcase. It's so like it's yeah. so perfect. And now the girl who waited has the boy who waited like yeah. the boy who waited. The, and so he just he writes not just like sort of clever plots and stuff like that, but also they work particularly well visually. Like she, he writes these things that are very memorable little moments that, yeah. you know, and he, visually. And he, uh, very conscious. There's a, um, uh, we'll get to it later. Another season um, where uh, he, he was doing, it's the final Amy and Rory season. And he's like, I just, the entire, uh, because he had other writers in the writer's room and the whole season was just him coming up. He was like, I just did it coming up with movie posters. And I was just like, it should be this. 
And it's like, and there's one episode and it was the, they ended up using the name, although they didn't always, but one of the episodes was just dinosaurs on a spaceship. And that's what the episode is called. And it's just like, there are dinosaurs on a spaceship go. And some writer was like, oh, okay. <laughs> he's like, but he is, yeah, he's very, he's a very visual writer. And he's like, um, this would look cool. Uh, this would be a really interesting image or visual to have, uh, and uh, and you know even the um, even in the uh, uh, the Big Bang, it's the you've got the stone Daleks, right? The the the, the sort of petrified Daleks as like the and that that's a very cool uh, uh, look, and um, uh, yeah, there's just some really interesting. You got the the no stars in the sky and that's an interesting image and yeah he's a very visual writer um you know gets that very like show don't tell um yeah uh, style um you've got the great um uh you've got the fantastic uh uh speech too at stonehenge right where he's this is one of matt smith's great moments where he goes out and gives the and, and there are all these spaceships lying around and he gives this very uh, he's on standing in Stonehenge and gives this very like uh, a sort of rousing speech to the aliens. It's like, come on, I've got nothing, you know, no weapons, no plan, whatever. Uh, and I also have nothing to lose. So which of you is going to be first? And think of all the times I've ever beaten you. It's just a wonderful like Matt Smith doctor, like iconic moment of like, yeah, he's yeah, it's like, oh, this is a great, uh, uh, you know, yeah, who's going to who's going to take him? He He is he is the doctor and he's very powerful and it's yeah. really well done in that part I, I mean i don't yeah i i don't want to keep belaboring the point of like yeah he is really good at this yeah. um and and by the way and so is david Tennant. and one thing i was thought was interesting is that there are a couple times where he's sort of he really is doing david Tennant like he's they're they're very similar cadences and stuff to the way they're talking but not in a bad way it's like yeah. it really is like a through line between them i think they're both just per I mean I can't believe that they got these two people. I still go back to the ninth doctor. Wait, no, the tenth. No, the ninth. The yeah, ninth. Eccleston. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, as like, I really liked him. He's just so different from these two. Right. Um, but like uh I I these two are they feel more similar, um, even though they're such different like well, books, yeah, but- similar but distinct, right? I mean, and that yeah, maybe yeah. where again it's very clever. It's like because uh, Moffat, uh, I think, in interviews, did not want a young doctor. Like he was like, I want to, uh, you know, we've had David Tennant, we've had Eccleston, we've had Tennant. Um, I'm going to go for an older actor, uh, and then said in an interview, and I'm sure the BBC was kind of like, no, no, we want like a young, hot-looking one because the girls seem to like <laughs> that. One. But, um. Uh, Moffat was like, "Yeah, I I wanted an older doctor." And then Matt Smith interviewed, and he's just like, just "Oh so my good. god, this guy is the doctor! <laughs> I've got to, I'll have to work with this. Uh, I have to cast him." Um, uh, but yeah, it is, it is, it, it is again good writing. I'm not that you know we, we were a broken record in praising Stephen Moffat, but we got to get him on the show. Uh, but uh, he uh, <laughs> to to take this, you could have been like, okay, I'll just do another David Tennant, like an interesting, quirky young guy, but to make them so distinct character wise, in spite of that similarities is again, fantastic writing on, on his part. Um, 
and you know, I, I again, like I said, the the thing that gets me every time is I'm just like I, I, I've not seen this episode many times. I'm just like I'm dying to know when did they come up with that something old, <laughs> something new? Like, did he think of it from the movies? Like, oh, kind of a wedding, <gasps> the TARDIS. That's it, something old, something new. And it's like, or did, uh, or you know, was he like again? Yeah. Oh, I got there. I was like, oh yeah, that's good. Um, and I will <laughs> say one other additional thing, uh, uh, Matt. Uh, so there's the scene of Matt Smith dancing with the kids at the wedding. Yes. Um, and that apparently was entirely ad lib that he does the, it's the crazy giraffe or something dance with his hand above his head. Uh, and they were apparently like, yeah, Matt Smith completely ad lib that. And all the kids are doing it with him. Um, but I saw some interview with someone who was like, yeah, you watched him doing this with these kids. And they were like, Oh, he is the doctor. Like he is, <laughs> Right. Kids would just love him. Yeah. He's not just entirely playing a character like he is the doctor. And that is exactly what the doctor would do. He'd be dancing with the kids and doing this wacky dance. Uh, And they're just like, yeah, thank God we we cast Doctor (laughs) Who. All right, why don't we, um, basically we've just devolved into saying, this is very good. Yeah, and Matt Smith <laughs> um, is pretty amazing. Yeah, and Matt yeah. Smith is great. Hire that guy. Great. Yeah, we should get him. Um, so let's uh, go on to the Androids of Terra. Tara? Tara? Tara. Yeah, Tara. Tara. Uh, this is season 16, story four. It's story yeah. number 101. Woo. And it is four parts. It aired the 25th of November to the 16th of December, 1978. John and I were, were young folks. We were. Uh, one year old just born we were not so much into yeah uh, no, this. We i was more, more into drooling into... and and breast milk. <laughs> <laughs> breast milk um and this is um uh this is tom baker um and the key to time season so this is this is the yes i didn't and i didn't blood. know that yeah, but, uh, yeah. Uh, funny i'll tell you something at the beginning of that and we have uh first romana romana one um, yeah. so let's play a little clip from the androids of Terran. Well? Oh, Doctor, you're a remarkable man. I am? Yeah, a man after my own heart. I am. Here you are, new to Taran politics and in no time at all. What have you become? Go on, you tell me. Kingmaker extraordinary. Oh, thanks to you keeping that micro-circuiting going. Zadek has his king. But have you thought what would happen if something went seriously wrong, like an overload on the circuit? What would happen? Your usefulness ceases. You know too much. You become a dangerous embarrassment to Zadek, an embarrassment to be got rid of, and don't think he wouldn't. What's the answer? Suppose we both unmade our kings. No more King Reinhardt at all. What? What would that achieve? A vacancy for a new king. You, I suppose. No, 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 Doctor. There would be opposition. No, I was thinking you'd make an excellent me. The Count just offered me the throne. That's treason, Count. Only so long as the king is alive. Boom. Yeah. But he's an android. He's a swashbuckling story. Yes, indeed. Yeah. Um, I'm going to go through this pretty quickly. It's a, um, it's a light story. But, uh, you know, they end up, It's first of all, it's first Romano, who I think I was unfamiliar with. Um, she's... So you saw her in the Stones of Blood with the giant rocks that killed oh, people. Oh, yeah, that's yeah. true. That's true. Um, and I mean... That look, was just I, before this. Look, I'm a gay man. People, I'm a gay man. So. She's very pretty. Yeah. But she's gorgeous. Yeah, she's a beautiful, very... strikingly glamorous woman. Striking, yeah. One. yeah. So we land in this place, and uh, there's a knight there, and then he we quickly find out he... he rescues romana and uh we quickly find out that he's like he thinks she's an android and then we find out that it's this 
strange place that is sort of like medieval, but then there are also androids there. We heard there's this struggle of who's to be in power. Um, they capture Romana, and the doctor's coming and trying to saving, save her. Uh, K-9's around. He ultimately, you know, <laughs> gets involved. Uh, um, <laughs> I knew you'd be excited about that. Yeah. Little canine action. And then, I don't know, they just, y- you know... Uh, things get resolved. I don't know. I don't have much to say about it. It's sort of like they come in. I don't know what if, there, if there's any great like meaning to any of it. They're there, mm-hmm. and then I I didn't totally understand why there were androids or. But maybe you it's, can a, it's a bit, so it's interesting. Me. It's a bit of a throwaway. So this is by David Fisher, who's a very who wrote actually Stones of Blood as well. Um, and um, <clears throat> so another um, classic. Yeah. So this <laughs> is a basically. I was just thinking back to those stones on wheels, just right? riding yeah. around. Yeah. So what's you'll like this? What's great about this one is that um, he was trying to come up with a storyline for this, and he was like, "Hey, what if we? You know, it should be like something swashbuckling or whatever." And apparently the producer was like, yeah, you know, it should be um, something like The Prisoner of Zenda, which is a novel by Anthony Hope from like the late 1800s. And so then he's like, "Okay," And he just did that novel. This this is this is pretty much the plot of The Prisoner of Zenda, uh, but with androids. (laughs) I was going to say. So it is sort of a swashbuckling. Uh, There's doubles and and they're trying to figure out who's going to be on the throne and stuff like that. Uh, But then they just threw in androids uh, instead. And so they're like, okay, yeah, well, there you go. There, there's the prisoner of Zend. And like, okay, well, yeah, that's fine. That works. Um, So this is just a retelling of that story. uh, Basically. But why are there androids? Uh, So, so the uh, it's, there's a bit of a throwaway line or a couple lines, but it's fleshed out more in one of the novelizations of this story. Uh, but basically, the idea was like there was a plague, uh, of, of some sort of you know a, a pandemic, which is obviously that's pretty far fetched. The idea that there'd be some sort of global pandemic that causes everyone to to lock themselves away in their homes. Uh, but then it, it, it um, the rich people are like, oh, we need people to do stuff for us, so they built androids uh, who sort of took the place. And so yes, the androids kind of uh, become the um, sort of the workers of this. Well, and that's that's I, I do like the um, it is very they all are dressed as like swashbuckling, yeah, you know, whatever, but they are like the swords are electric and the, the crossbows have little laser bolts and stuff like that. And so it's a very interesting mesh of, of medieval and, and modern technology. But I also I do like the thing where it's like um, the androids are highly uh, uh, sophisticated technology, but peasant only peasants know how they work, right? It's like you have to be a peasant. A, a technician to actually because none of the rich people actually uh actually know what they what they do or how they how they actually function uh which makes it kind of a fun it's it's it, they could probably explore this theme more this concept more uh than they do um but i think the show or this story is just so intent on having a good time they just don't care <laughs> yeah we could but this is just fun we're just having a good time uh which comes across through the whole thing this is a uh, you have Peter Jeffrey who plays Count Grendel, um, and he is um, uh, uh, he's he's a character actor. He's been in a bunch of different things. Nothing. He was never really like a huge star, but he was just somebody who you would have known. He would be in like seven sixty seventies uh, uh, television, um, and he's great. The villain. He's just great. He's very like sort of funny and charming, and uh, I love his. Um, uh, his his final bit, like the doctor sword fights him right through the end, and then he's like uh, he's like um, uh, uh, defeats him, and he 
sort of swan dives off the the roof of the palace and he's like next time i won't be so lenient and then he's <laughs> in the moat and swims away and it's just like that's wonderful like he's not he's not killed or defeated but or he's defeated but he's not killed and it's like um yeah whatever he's this very um uh uh it's like uh, very again sort of this over the top slash like uh, uh which fits tom baker very well like tom baker's having a, a ball in this right he's clearly having a good time uh there's a great moment at the, at the end of episode three or whatever where he's supposed to meet madame lamier in the uh the, the android expert in the uh in the little hut in the woods uh and she gets killed but uh uh i think around that he's like um someone's like oh if you if you come out we won't shoot you and then he opens the door and they shoot at him and he slams the door and then he opens the door and he's like, liar and then slams the door. <laughs> <laughs> like Tom Bay, he's having a wonderful time. Um, and uh, uh, there is this. Yeah, they're just having a good time. And there's very, very low stakes. Uh, and I was like, this is also great. Um, so uh, one of the most notorious monsters of all time is at the very beginning. Romana is finding the key to time and she's in the woods and she gets a little and then oh she's yeah yeah by the monster right this the horrible it's called the tar and wood beast is the name of the well the i will monster. tell you my daughters were watching this with me and they each had a distinct reaction my four-year-old said i think that's i think that's supposed to be a gorilla and my six-year-old goes i think that's someone in a costume <laughs> 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 so there's a, apparently there's some, and this is how you know. So uh, I think Russell T Davies and Rob Shearman, who wrote Dalek, uh, the story, um, like Russell T Davies was uh, map is saying how he was mapping out his first season or whatever, first or second season, and uh, there was some email exchange, and he goes, he goes to the the other guy's like yeah so we're gonna you know all build up and it'll be this grand reveal and it will reveal that the enemy is the taran wood beast (laughs) 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 it's like like, no it's obviously not gonna happen um so yes uh uh that is a notoriously bad uh a bad monster uh but again it's just yeah you've got uh you've got mary tam as romana she's having they're just all having a wonderful time uh and just in this sort of swashbuckling adventure and it's just kind of like yeah we're we're having fun here it's good <laughs> like this and it's like, again you also have the classic uh sitcom slash storytelling trope of the double right like people yeah. who look like the other person it's like oh they happen to be identical uh, uh twins of this person uh and sort of playing with that idea and what we can do with that um which I, is actually clever to do that to have um because of course they've got androids they can build doubles of people perfectly uh but then you also actually have romana is exact as actually a flesh and blood double of this other flesh and blood uh person so it's kind of like they're layer that on top of it's like oh yeah there's a double but there's actually an android double and then it's actually a real double um and so they play with sort of that classic trope um this is a fun story and they just (laughs) here comes the theme <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> All dressed in themes. No, wait. Is that what you. <laughs> sneezing is part of the. And then everyone hands out their prenuptial agreements. And... Right. Yes. Is that wait? Is that yeah? I I remember your yeah. when we all got prenuptial agreements and we were like, do we all have to sign these? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, that's the thing. It's like you're ending your inter agreement to like take each other's friends and family and join yeah. as one, so everyone gets to like 
line item veto out. We or, were all or in sc- it. Yeah. Scribble in an initial things in the prenup. And yeah. then it's like, yeah. oh, I actually This is why I'm grateful this. because I signed so many of these. And I'm just so glad everyone I know is still married because most people, you know, and no divorces in the, are my immediate circle of friends. So I'm lucky. That's right. I am on the hook for a lot of stuff. Yeah. Well, you signed all the terms and conditions. Yeah, I should not marriages. have signed all those things. I don't know what I was thinking. The EULAs for our marriages. <laughs> uh, we are adherents of the repeating themes yeah. here. No, not the mind probe. So we, we like to look at some things that are brought up by Doctor Who and run through the universe as mm-hmm. thread does mm-hmm. through an old sweater yes not not a new one no old just no one uh, what did you want to talk about with with these two episodes well so oh, marriage is it good or not no um <laughs> fortunately you'll be the judge to this show so neither one of them will have a gun <laughs> no what i i actually watched it this is kind of interesting um you have the decidedly high stakes pandorica open big bang the entire universe is universe start. ending right yeah and starting you, everything's gonna die and we have to reboot the universe and then you have Enters of Tara, which is very, it's like this little planet. You don't even actually, you've got the name of the planet is Tara, but you don't know anything. It's, it's as far as we can tell, the planet is one castle uh, <laughs> with one guy. Um, and it doesn't really matter. It, it just, it's a very low stake uh, story. And I'm, I'm just curious as to, do you have a preference? Does it need, do you have a preference? Is it like, oh, I need, it only works if it's, if everything's on the line. Or is it like, no, yeah, you know, it's just fun to have this one. It's like, yeah, they, they can, they don't always have to have the universe in peril yeah. to make it interesting. Or no, I, I like for it to be a mix. And in fact, I was saying about, I watched the recent uh, Spider-Man movie. Uh, I forget what it's called, but it's the third of the ones with Tom Holland. Mm-hmm. And um, what is I was. Multiverse sort of, one where there's lots of Spider-Mans? Or is this a- yeah, the live action one where okay. the other former actors who played Spider-Man okay, are so, part yeah. of it. And um, it's great. I mean, I, I love this series of Spider-Man movies. They're my favorite of them. But when, one of the things is I lament, I was lamenting is that one of the reasons I like them is that I like the characters. And for example, throughout the course of the three movies, he ends up getting together with one of his friends that were like, there was like an unrecorded love, but then they get together. But the problem is when it's only done in movies and not in TV shows, you only see these like world breaking events. Right. And so I was like, boy, I wish we could have just seen them like date for a while. Like that would have been nice. And so like, I think this is, um, so I like in the TV format that we have a mix of these things. If it was all one way or all the other, I think I wouldn't want it. But I like that some Doctor Who things, just similar to, uh, in the same way that some Star Trek episodes can be like, they're just low stakes. They're just hanging around. And then yes, we will build up to bigger things that happen throughout. But when it's done, and I think actually Marvel is seeing this in the way that they're releasing Disney Plus series now too, where- right. They have like, oh, and Star Wars, um, too, where like the Mandalorian, one of the, it's a Star Wars, uh, show. And one of the great things is that like, it's not like world bending events. It's about this guy. Yeah. And if that was all it was about, it wasn't connected to the wider universe. Maybe it wouldn't be that interesting, but it is. And so it's also fun to just watch this guy go on a journey and yeah, learn something about himself. World. Yeah. Yeah. And so I, I like, I definitely like having both. And in fact, the, in the Stephen Moffat series, this was done really well where we just had that James Corden episode and now we have this one. Right. So we had very small stakes yeah. in that one in a way. I mean, like, uh, I guess it did kill thousands of people in that apartment building, <laughs> but it wasn't the end of the universe. And then we yeah, go, go into the end of the universe in this one. So I, I like the the mix of them. I, I, I get I actually get if there never was high stakes, it'd be a problem. But I get weary for some of the Doctor Who stretches we've been on when like every single one is like, 
oh yeah, if we hadn't have done that, the entire universe would have imploded. It's like every single time, is it always that? Like that seems crazy, you know. And why would you do that? Like why would you travel with him if it's like, oh god, again? It's yeah. <laughs> yeah. So maybe it could just be kind of fun. Um, and it's, it's like Andrew Tara, like they keep trying to kill Romana. Like people are going to die and be tortured or whatever, but it's yeah, like, there's stakes. It's but... still, but it's still like, yeah, hey, but they're still kind of having a good time. <laughs> <laughs> um, and yeah, so I, I, I think, um, uh, I mean, I think it may also be a product of modern television sort of storytelling because you, everything is now an arc right like you you have to you don't just have standalones you tend to have some kind of season-long arc to keep people binging and watching these stories um it's like well we got to build to something and what do we build to like how do you keep people excited or interested it's got to be this this big thing um which is a sort of weird thing to do, right? It's sort of like, okay, yeah, it's got to be. Well, the only way people are going to stay invested in this is if the universe is at stake. It's like, well, are they? I mean, it's not like people well, are going to be like, oh, the universe, pff, whatever. If it's not, if it's, I'm not going to watch this if it's not like it's well, the thing. other thing that changed that, and maybe these go hand in hand. I don't really know which one leads the other, but old American TV, as we've talked about a lot on this show, is that. You have to have 20, 25 episodes a season. It's like you were going to have some quote unquote filler episodes. You were just going to have to. There wasn't you weren't going to have a completely arc, an arc that would last all 25 episodes. It's just impossible. And in that in in a in a way that inspired some of these just sort of like random one off episodes. Sometimes there were some of the best episodes. Yeah. When you get into the current um, climate, a lot of shows are done arc only. They're just like, we want to do this is the story I'm telling. There's eight parts. That's it. Like yeah. I, I'm not, you know, and so there's not a requirement. Usually like a Netflix or whatever, isn't often saying like, no, just make it 15. We're just making you add in ones. They're very like creator friendly of saying like, no, like tell the story you want to tell. But sometimes those it maybe doesn't feel like a constraint, but it's like an external pressure on a creator to have to do something often then can push them. Sometimes it ruins things a lot of times, but other times it just like forces them to make some, we've talked about shows in a bottle before that it's like, yeah, production constraints force you to write certain episodes in a way. And sometimes that sparks something creatively that you never would have gotten to if you didn't right. have that. So I think the, the Dr. Who modern is in a good spot where it's like, 10 15 episodes a season you're gonna need some filler i think we got to a point with the end of david Tennant where they were just trying to like get so much out of right. the end Keep of david Tennant. we got some filler but um ultimately i think they're in a pretty good place of like going back and forth but i could even have a little bit more filler from the current doctor who i feel like yeah um well because matt smith season has been good I, but but some of the previous ones it was like we're still just a little too much like pushing right. toward right. end of well, and that's what it's like. It is interesting because you're right. You're right. It's like it's like modern television or whatever is like, OK, we have to we won't, you know, people have limited patience. We can only do 10 episodes or whatever. We can't do too much here. So we got to jam this in and get to this high stakes point. Um but they also like, but we also want to have the classic television like relationships. Like, so uh, to me, the it, the epitome of this is uh, Star Trek Into Darkness, the new Star Treks, where they tried to, they were like, okay, we've got Kirk, we we're going to do some sort of timeline thing, and we're going to have Kirk and McCoy and Spock and all these people. And they did the first one, which is good. Uh, and it was their first like trip into space. And then the end of it is like, okay, now we're going to do our, our sort of thing. 
And then they cut ahead and tried to do the sequel. And they tried to do a sort of version of Star Trek, The Wrath of Khan. Wrath Star of Trek Khan, II, right. Which is one of the, I, I mean, Wrath of Khan to me is one of the, it's actually a, a brilliant movie. It doesn't, yeah, it's, it's not great. even a good start. It's like a good, it's a good Star Trek episode, but it's also like, it's just a good movie. But it, it is it works it's about like getting old and not feeling you know and it's it only works because you know these people have known right, each right. Other for 25 years <laughs> it's just like and so they yeah there were episodes where they just were hanging out on the enterprise and doing like they built they earned <laughs> these relationships whereas our into darkness is kind of like okay we gotta we gotta do star trek too but with these people who all of us even know we've, we've only ever seen them together for like an hour and a half and sure they yeah. like each other but <laughs> like they haven't earned this and so yeah you do need that like okay yeah they do and i guess it is a piece of if you if you, any kind of adventure serial where you have people that are kind of constantly going with someone voluntarily into dangerous situations you know part of you would have to, like most things that happen doctor who if that happened one time i'd be like all right well i'm out like i almost died uh here so i'm going to leave now because that's pretty much it for me like i a near-death experience is kind of a one and out for me <laughs> one yeah. and done um and so you have to sort of fill in like okay there must be fun times there must be some reason to continue to go that the 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 it must be so amazing to be on this trip and you get to see all these incredible things that's worth the occasional near-death experience um which is what, what we only see because that's the more interesting we're not going to see people just having a good time on vacation um but yeah so you've got to earn this thing of like you have to there are things that are happening here between massively interesting storylines um to, to sell them and, and so yeah i think having these sort of low stakes okay yeah out of out of the 25 episodes in a season 10 are going to just be Hey, we're just gonna have a good time here. And it'll be interesting, also, but not hugely if interesting. If it's all just a constantly driving forward plot, then the the more it's like that, then in some ways, then the shorter it better be because it's really hard to then get into. Because it's like, hey, if you're gonna get into this, you kind of just gotta watch the whole thing, right? And you gotta like binge the entire thing, and that's fine for um, what was the show that just came out on Netflix this past uh, year and a half? The chess show. It was great. Um, with, oh yeah, uh, the, the, Anna the, the Taylor. Joy, yeah, um, I know what you're talking about. Like, Queen's Game chess. Um <laughs> that was great and it's I don't know Queen's if you've watched it. Yeah. Did you watch it? I didn't, but I I Um it's it's very good. Chess. And um it's not even or if it's a, if you want to call it a TV show, it's it's only going to be one season. I they they can't I don't know how they do another season. And it was something like 8 or 9 episodes. But that's great because it was like, oh, so if it's 8 or 9 episodes, a, a mini series essentially, then it's like, yeah, Every episode of this mini series better be driving the plot forward. Right. Yeah. And and then it's only eight or nine episodes. Great. But if it's like Lost, I think was the one that was really the pivot point for this, where it was still 25 episodes a season. It was something like nine seasons, right? It was long. Yeah. That was long. Uh, but now Seven. if you have to go back and watch it, they do have filler episodes, which people didn't like at the time. Um, but it was just like mandated by the format. And so you're stuck in this weird place. I think when you have like Doctor Who or, or Star Trek or some of these other ones, you end up really it's great to have these one off episodes because those are the ones you can like show or yeah. just like watch to get into it. Because or the other thing is like um, we like this world, right? We right. like the world of Doctor Who. So sometimes we want just an episode of like, yeah, I don't need a plot. I just want to hang out. Like yeah. it's, it's I just cool want to watch Tom Baker be <laughs> wacky and who get involved in something yeah. for no red. Just be like, sure, I'm here. 
<laughs> so I think this, <laughs> and I feel like you would have, I, I'm, I'm making this up, so I'm sort of, this is a straw man, but I, I can imagine this TV reviewer who you'd have an episode of some other, some show where it's like, well, nothing really happened here in this episode. And like, I don't know the point of it. It's like, yeah, but can't we just like, does it always have to be, you know, I, I like the idea of this serialized TV um, where I think arcs are great, but what if it's also just like, this is a show that potentially could just go on forever, which right. means that there can't be an ultimate like denouement. It's like, no, this is just like, there'll be lots of them. Things will happen, but this is going to kind of go on forever. And I think that can actually force one into having to write really interesting little stories. You know, yeah. I, Doctor Who is obviously probably the best example of this because it's been going on for 50 years. Like they right. have and to yeah. write it like this. And and certainly, um, uh, and I think we'll get into this a little bit. It starts to, this tension starts to arise, which is like, well, wait, is the Doctor um, just this sort of wacky explorer who eventually every once in a while muddles into stuff? Or is the Doctor the most important figure in the universe? In the universe. Um, and it starts to drift to that direction. Uh, and you do start, you know, you just be like, no, no, he's just a person. He's just this guy who kind of happens to blunder into things every once in a while. And that actually, it actually is nice that you don't, he's not the most significant thing with its destiny or prophecies that are like, yeah, this is the most, it's like, it's just some guy who, who failed his exam. I mean, this is like his Baxter's like he's failed his exams as a time Lord and was, you know, barely, barely passed his, his Academy stuff. And it's like, he's still amazing and interesting, but he's not the most significant thing. Um, and, and, you know, that's like, that's good people. It's like, oh yeah. Okay. That's good. We all, none of us are all uh, the most important thing in the world and we can this, identify more with that figure. I feel like, yeah. This makes me think of your other, um, love of <laughs> the procedural shows you've gotten into. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And those are by nature there, there might be arcs. I mean, you can tell me with CSI, I'm sure there are arcs, but it is supposed to be a, you drop in, you get this episode and, and that's it. This is one little story. And also the characters in it, like it's not like they become Jack Ryan and become president of the United States right. by the end of it. It's like, no, they're a detective or whatever. They the stay lab. a detective. Yeah. They have their flaws. They're they're kind of good. They're kind of bad. Like whatever. That's it. Like, right? I mean, is that right. how they work? I haven't watched. Right, yeah, a lot of or those. or a medical show, right? Like we we were talking about right, watching right. ER. Like it's like, yeah, they're all great doctors, but they aren't like the greatest doctor in the world. <laughs> <laughs> like like Carter right, right. is not the most brilliant medical student who's ever lived. They're good, uh, but yeah, they're not the most important thing that's ever lived, and that is more identifiable for people who are like. I mean, look, I'm a brilliant lawyer, but I'm not the greatest lawyer who's ever lived. And um, that's okay, I think. Right? Right? Okay. We'll be right back. <laughs> oh, that was the wrong thing. This is supposed to be this thing. Oh, no. Um, no, it's this thing. All right. It's there we thing. go. All right, there are 297 official Doctor Who television stories, John. We are like dodging the Am I the Greatest Lawyer in the World question, though. We'll have to come back to that. So, folks, right in. I tried in. to throw you by playing different sound effects. Paul, <laughs> right in. What do, you, what do you think? Where am I on the greatest lawyers who have ever lived? Uh, uh, you know, it's, it's me, Atticus Finch. Uh, <laughs> uh, the guy from the Scopes Monkey Trial. Yeah, Matt Locke. Uh, maybe one or two others. Yeah, uh, that's basically it. 
And of course, uh, Clarence Thomas. I think we can uh, put him up there with. Uh, yeah, I mean, you know, a statue of his wife trying to destroy America. He seems like a decent guy. Seems like a great guy. Yeah. Um, we rank all these episodes because you know I don't know we just said so at the beginning and right. so that's what we're doing. We're committed to doing it and it's going to happen. <laughs> yeah. We've ranked 112. We're going to rank two more. Uh, I'll start with Pandora opens the Big Bang. Yeah. I struggle with this one only because it's great. Obviously, we talked repeatedly how great it was. Hmm. So it's at the top, and it was just more like. How high at the top is this going to go? Right. Um, famously, my top currently is the 11th hour. Um, and this is sort of a bookend to the 11th hour. Um, but something about it, I was just like, I can't. It feels too much. Actually, speaking of all the arcs and stuff, it feels so much just like, well, you had to have been watching these other things. Like, mm. I, I think I value some of the standalone nature of it. The 11th hour is standalone just in the sense of like, you could know nothing and watch that and just right. be drawn in. And so like, that's what really this it's like, you kind of got to know some stuff. It ties something. Now that said, it's one of these big finales that ties a bunch of stuff together. And I think it does it very well. Yeah. I ended up with it pretty high. I have it. um 13. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So I have it below some some of my other favorites up here. I have it above the Aztecs, mm-hmm. which is a early Doctor favorite one, mm-hmm. and I have it just mm-hmm. below Father's Day, which is a the first season one I just really loved. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but I was I was kind of comparing it to the other doubles that I have up there. So yeah. Time of Angels, Flesh and Stone is actually not a finale, but it's a mid season, I guess, finale. Right. And this season of this season, I put, it, yeah. I put it below that because I just I don't know. I guess again it, it, that one felt more stood in its own really well. I also have Rise of the Cybermen, Age of Steel. I just really like that one. And then the one that I have the highest um, at number three is Silence of the Library, Force of the Dead, which I still think is just great. I, yeah, I don't know. no, it's brilliant. Yeah. So I, I I ended up saying, you know, I really love this episode, but I'm going to keep it there at number 13. And the reason why I feel good about it is what that means, though, is in the top 15, I have like three or four episodes from this season. Yeah. So like it still feels like it's giving a really good nod for the season, even though it's ranking it not like number one or something like that. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. And then, mm-hmm. um, sorry, uh, Androids of Tara. Um, yeah, I just I don't know. They were having fun, like you said, and I didn't put it at the very bottom, but I did, didn't really enjoy it that much. Yeah. I ended up kind of honing in on what it reminded me of. It reminded me of Battlefield, mm-hmm. and I put it right next to Battlefield, although I like Battlefield. It's a romp. Little. It's a romp. You put on your rompers, and you I put you on watch my it. rompers, and I watch it. <laughs> yeah, I like Battlefield a, a little bit more than this, so yeah, I, I yeah. put it more than that. But you nice sep- rompers. 75 yeah. out of 112. Yeah. So it's not like the bottom or anything, but, yeah. you know, I don't know. No, that's we're, what, that's we're, what I did. we're in alignment here, I think, for the most part. Um, um, so, yeah, I've got um, um, I probably over uh, um, over value that ending because, again, yeah, I mean, I've, we've mentioned it now a couple of times, but just that that uh, I mean, again, maybe I'm too excited about it. But um, that's something old, something new. I'm just like, oh yeah. man, <laughs> yeah. so good, uh, and it just makes me jealous as like a person who would aspire to be a writer, to be like, ah, oh, damn, he came. That's really good, uh, and that he works very hard to set it all up, uh, and uh, it brings the whole season together. Um, I also like it. It was. It threw me watching it at the time because it, I almost felt like they were missing something. It's like they didn't. I was like, wait, why did the TARDIS explode? And only later did I realize it was deliberate to leave a couple of these threads hanging like over over the course of several seasons. Um, but, uh, um, uh, you know, it, it does bring a bunch of stuff together. Um, 
as you say, you've got the great Rory and Amy relationship. You've got River Song coming back and Matt Smith just kind of uh, knocking out of the park. So I've got the Pandora Open Speak Bang at number uh, 16, just below Centauran Stratagem and then the Poison Sky and Time and Angels, Flesh and Stone, sort of in that two-parter uh, uh, section of things. And it's just like, yeah, bring it all together. Um, and a great story uh, ends the season. Um, I, I do think of, of the, and we'll see as we go, um, of the various, because this is a problem in the new series, a little bit of, of sort of the penultimate episode setting up a huge cliffhanger uh, and then dropping it and just being like, uh-oh. <laughs> like we have to <laughs> somehow come up with something. Else. This one does do it well. This is, you're going to see this actually, and it is a, a, a Moffat signature of two. I like the, you you build up to this giant cliffhanger uh, and then the next episode starts in a completely different place, right? It's just like, oh, now it's going to be, you know, uh, a completely different setting or sort of it's going to, it's going to throw you off and then it will connect back to the thing eventually. Um, but uh, so you start to see that here. Um, so I really like that. Uh, Androids of Tara is, as I say, it's a romp. You put on your rompers and you just, it's its a fun, uh, Tom Baker's having a ball. Uh, you've got Mary Tam, who is gorgeous and brilliant and insane uh, in her own right. <laughs> um, and you have uh, this very clever idea uh, that sort of mixes the medieval and the sci-fi. Um, and uh, it's just, it's another one of those sort of Saturday afternoon Doctor Who's for me, right? It's one of those ones that's just like, yeah, this is just, when I was a kid, this was just, you know, sort of the epitome of Doctor Who. And sure, it's not, yeah. Um, uh, yeah, it's not the the greatest stakes in the world, but it's still, it still was a blast to, to watch. Um, and uh, I also love, it is, um, we didn't talk too much about this, but it is, uh, part of the key to time season and i just love how they find the key piece segment because so if you recall from the you probably don't but if you recall they were hinting they were hunting for the six segments of the key and they would find they were hidden in different places um and each time they would find it and most of the stories they find it it's sort of the quest for the key is the whole thing and they find this thing the symbol of power or whatever and at the end and they get it and they get the crystal or whatever what i love about this one is like 10 minutes in she's like oh got it <laughs> and then just like oh and then oh well, we'll do the rest of the story like it's it's just so not a thing um and again it just contributes this fun part so yeah i've got the, i've got it down at number uh 52 around fires of pompeii rise of the cyberman age of steel planet I, it, I think why i have it um here is um uh it's in the planet of the dead category for me just the one uh with um uh it was the david Tennant special with uh, the uh-huh. bus that goes to the desert yeah, yeah. which is also just a fun low-ish stakes like let's this is gonna be fun and funny and interesting and whatever and i think that's where that's where i put andrews of tara so yeah it's a it's a good one um and and uh uh sort of baker at his uh at his height of quirky funness well when i put this whole season into the old supercomputer here um no surprise pandora opens a big bang um we both rank Similarly, and it ends up uh, number twelve, knocking on uh, knocking on the top ten, yeah. And it ends up right around. Um, we have three kind of uh, double episodes right together: Empty Child, Doctor Dances, yeah. Time of Angels, Flesh and Stone, Pandora Opens, Big Bang. By the way, why did I rank the Empty Child, the Doctor Dances, number twenty-one? That seems very low. Yeah, um, yeah. and I had it number three. Yeah, no, you had you had it. Yeah, I know what I'm doing. Well, this um, is the problem is that you. So what 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 you yeah. do is um, you are you're like a, a an innocent babe in the woods, a pure yeah. a pure rank. Right. Whereas, in, of course, in my head, I know so much more. The universe. I see so many more stars than you do. 
but I, I, I'm conscious of it's like, yeah, I know what's coming and I know what's been and I know, I know this is high up. Like I'm not, yeah, right. I, I don't see these as like I, you to, to me, the future is already mapped out. I see it and I know what's coming, but you have no idea. It's just a, no. just a, just a blank slate ahead of you. And, and I think that affects the rankings. Cause I'm like, oh, yeah, I know in, this is good. So it's gotta be up there. It's also that's why, why Arkham I, space is such a mess for you. Well, yes, I know. <laughs> that's why also in my way, I'm so beautiful yeah, and right, so yeah. childlike and innocent. Yeah. <laughs> um, Androids and Tara, we ranked, you ranked 52, I've ranked 75. We ended up at 67. It's right in the middle. I think that's that's probably right. It's like yeah, right I in agree. the middle here. Um, we, I, I hope you know, when, when at the end of this, when we finish this podcast and we turn turn it in to um, Russell T. Davies and he grades it, I hope he's like, oh, yeah, you got, you got that one. Good one. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. Um, just checking in on where the, the doctors are currently ranked. So uh, basically right now, Matt Smith is sort of like with a bullet, the the top ranked doctor. That's largely due, not only due, but largely due to me, where I have him like way ranked higher than everybody. Now, again, partly that's because we've had one season. We had more of David Tennant, who is in my second place, essentially. Yeah. And um is ranked far ahead of everybody else, but um Matt Smith is even that much farther ahead of him. You have the eleventh doctor, um, tied uh Interestingly, I think for you, and again, this is only the episodes we've watched so far, yeah, yeah. but you haven't tied roughly with the third doctor. Yeah, very close um, to third. So it's interesting. Inferno, but, yeah, I but, think, uh, brings the third up. Yeah, quite a bit. But our combined ranking, um, 36. We can also look at the seasons. Can um, we? That's, let me that's see insane. here. Yeah, the, science, I, the, the science can't be there yet. Oh, you know what? I don't have the seasons on here for... You, you only have classic. I only have classic for some reason. I'll, I'll look into that for, yeah. for next episode and we can take a look at look back on the whole fifth season. I don't know why. To, why do I have that? Yeah. Yeah. And you no. also have classic 27, 28 and 29, which don't exist. So that's, <laughs> that's a, a problem. <laughs> <laughs> um. So anyway, mm. but I, I would have to imagine that that season five is going to end up being pretty high, which is which is uh, going back through it, watching it. And then I was reading, you know, some stuff online and stuff. It's like it is. Uh, it is considered a pretty classic season because we have fin- we should we we finished it we're done we 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 have done Matt Smith's first season, uh, and and there will be a Christmas episode is coming up but we we've, we've now watched uh we've watched it um and uh, I mean I I I rewatching it now and I don't know what your impression is but rewatching it now it's like I'm like boy that is a damn it's a damn good season of Doctor Who especially it's a good opening out of move the gate. by Stephen Moffat yeah I mean just Moffat being like yeah take that bitches no, which, I'm, is, I'm, which is actually what his press release uh <laughs> at the end of the season he was like yeah bitches take that and people are like oh, he's, he's, he's arrogant but i'll give him credit <laughs> <laughs> now let's see there's one two three four five six seven eight nine ten eleven twelve there's 13 episodes yeah and four of them are in there are top 20 episodes that's true we've got um, the 11th hour We've got um No, I'm sorry, that, I'm I'm wrong. I, I underestimated that. Um six uh six of them are because if you the two parters is two episodes. The two yeah. parters, yeah. So like half the episodes of the season are in our top twenty. If I extend it to like top uh, obviously it's our current one. Um but yeah. still that's yeah. pretty good. I mean and there were really no I don't think there were any like stinkers, right? Um, no, certainly no no like love and mo- or no fear hers uh in this season. 
yeah, yeah. No, it's a it's a strong it's a very strong season. The lowest um, one looks like Vampires of Venice. Yeah, which was unremarkable. Which is low because it's just unremarkable. Like I feel like, in fact, we talked about this several times. We're like, we're actually we're the bar is so high because of yeah. Matt Smith and Karen Gillen that we're just like, oh well, that one didn't knock me off my ass, so I'm just gonna give it a low rating. <laughs> I'm comparing it to what I know they could do, and I think I'm actually. I'm actually giving them a lower score because I'm like, wow, that's not as great as I know they can nail it. So, yeah. Well, look, you can go and check out these rankings on our site, mindprobe.show. You can also see the show orders. You can watch along with us um, and you can subscribe to the podcast. We'd love it if you did that. Of course, give us a ranking. Do we we know? No, no, because they don't really tell you in that way. I mean, I don't know. Um, a dozen, a few dozen, something like what that. What are they doing? I don't, I don't know. know. They got to subscribe. Uh, well, listen, you can also write us in porter at mindprobe.show, yeah. John mm-hmm. at mindprobe.show. If you want to send in any comments, you can also reach out to me on Twitter. I'm at Porter Mason. And you can also um, go check out my comics there. Yes. Uh, Comics.com or go to patreon.com slash Porter Mason. And uh, there's a rabbit. A, a there's a rabbit that eats jelly. Rabbit. He eats jelly. He's, and it's amazing. He's great. Um, John, um, if you have, do you have any privacy books you want to plug or if not, you should tell us about, uh, I mean, one day I'm going to write a book on ethics, but it's probably not going to come out for a while. So don't hold your breath. Um, um, and you can put on the cover, um, you know, as best lawyer about. in the world, yeah. as talked about on as talked about on another my uh, no, I was I was uh, interesting. I think I put this on Facebook the other day, but um, <clears throat> I, I, just, I think people have gleaned. I teach ethics, uh, what I do now, and um, <clears throat> I was working on this research for a, a discussion thing I'm having tomorrow, and um, I was like, um, uh, I was talking to a colleague, and they're like, "Hey, what are you working on?" And I was like, "I'm trying to figure out if there's an objective moral truth," and then they're like. What is it you do again? <laughs> you pay me to do this. Um, there, I, as far as I can tell, there's not. Uh, but anyway, yeah, um, uh, uh, that's that's uh, that's uh, that's coming. That's coming down the pike. Okay. But uh, don't hold your breath, everybody, because I, I got to finish this podcast. I would solve ethics, but I'm busy with this podcast. So, <laughs> <laughs> uh, what's coming up? Uh, yes, yes. Next, next up, uh, it's the holidays. Porter's get on get on your little get on your little your little Santa Slave hat and your ring. little your little bag of toys. Are um, you listening? Because there is a Christmas Carol. It's actually called the next Matt Smith Christmas episode is a Christmas Carol. Uh, it's not like Jim Henson's Muppet Babies Christmas Carol. Like kind Doctor of. Who babies? Kind is it Doctor of. Who Babies? There, there are. I don't know. There are no puppet babies. No puppets. Um, <sighs> but you do have. Uh, uh, you do have Matt Smith and Karen Gillan and 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 Rory uh, Arthur Darville. Uh, and you also have. Um, uh, I'm trying to think of. Uh, There's a very famous uh, um, uh, actor who I'm blanking on, um, who plays uh, sort of the Scrooge uh, character. Um and uh, what is it? He's um he played May uh Michael Gambon, yeah, who I think is um Dumbledore. Am I right about that? Who replaced Richard? I will check it out. Griffith is Dumbledore. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I don't. Harry Potter. Harry I Potter. I'm pretty sure Michael mm-hmm. Gambon was in Harry Potter. Anyway, um yes, yeah. Dumbledore. Yeah, so very, uh, very big uh, actor in that, and so a classic, uh, classic story. And then we've paired that with, and, and now I don't know. I'm going to be interested if you remember this because in college I would have made you. I made you watch. This is my. It's another fourth Doctor story. Uh, fourth Doctor Romana two, uh, City of Death, uh, which is a. It's sort of a. Um, it's set in Paris. It's written by Douglas Adams. Uh, it is. Um, uh, it's considered one of the greatest of all time. 
uh, uh, classic series stories. And it's definitely one of my go-tos in terms of showing new Doctor Who people. So I think I made you watch this in college at one time. So I'll be curious when you watch it, if you remember it. But uh, I yes, current, we, like in talking through, I have no memory of it. Yeah. You, know, you might remember, I wonder if I watch it. Did, did we watch it like at your house or at, at like at in college like dorm room? Yeah, I think I feel like oh, it was okay. like in a dorm room or something like that. Like, uh, yes, um, maybe over the summer. It might have been the summer where we we uh, stayed and wrote sketches because I think it was in a RA suite or something like that. For that interesting, interesting. I mean, you remember when we. When we it's all... just a little texture of the lives of John and Porter to kind of like get you again. Character. Get involved with our characters. Yeah, people want to know more about us. And they're like, oh, they're old people who lived in dorms. <laughs> and I think people are excited about that. <laughs> so anyway, uh, it's it's a whole time traveling gambles with time, timey wimey uh, theme to that one. So uh, yeah. Well, oh, 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 do you hear that music? Yeah, is that it? That sounds like out? Oh. it is time to it's raise our glasses. Right. So I feel like I should be played out. <laughs> <laughs> if you have, if you want to like thank your agent or anything, <laughs> uh, the Oscars also yeah. are. We don't know. We won't know. We won't know who won the Duke game, and we won't know who won the Oscars. We might know who won the Oscars. It's midnight. It's almost midnight in our recording session. Oh, oh yeah, but, but I'm locked inside my panic room here. I, can't, oh, uh, I don't have any outside internet. All I only I'm have seeing, Doctor Who internet. All I'm seeing right now is Washington Post breaking Will Smith's shocking onstage slap of Chris Rock overshadowed a historic Oscars win by Coda. Did he what? hit uh, Chris Rock? I don't understand any of that. Well, you know, I guess uh, this is what we do. We give up any sort of involvement in cultural affairs to do this podcast. We step back. Yeah. yeah. So, no thanks, popular no, culture. I, We're I, doing this podcast. I think it was Smith punched Chris Rock on the Academy Awards. What? Um, well, <laughs> here, if you tune into our podcast for Oscar news, <laughs> we're breaking, breaking Oscar news here. But it looks like they're laughing, right? He won the best item. Oh, he like ran up on stage. Yeah. And they, and they hit him. Uh, he won the Oscar. And they called it first to apologize to the Academy and nominated to level making Pretty exciting if you care about the Oscars. <laughs> <laughs> what a weird. There you go. Breaking news. Mindprobe.show. <laughs>